0: Father, we come to a very familiar text today. When we look at 1 John 1-9, uh, there's been all sorts of doctrines made based upon that text. Uh, Lord, people have even been brought into bondage uh, because of that text. And that's not your intention. We know, Lord, because we know that your your word is truth and your truth sets us free. It does, never puts us into bondage. So, Lord, I ask today that you shed lots of light on this passage, this very familiar passage as we look at it and we put it into its proper context and get its proper meaning and and understand just uh, what it means to, to confess our sins to you. So uh, show us this, uh, tr- these truths today, Lord, and we can only learn those by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I ask you to open our spiritual ears and our spiritual hearts to hear what you would have us to, to learn today, Lord. And I just ask that you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask it in Christ's name, amen. amen. Uh, one other announcement I didn't make uh, before we get started, uh, we, don't forget we have a new app. Uh, be sure you download that app. If you're listening to the podcast, be sure you uh, download the app. All right, with well that said, let's get into the message today in First uh, John uh, chapter 1. You know, I'm one of these guys who I believe you need to be clean, both Spiritually and physically. I mean, you can ask my wife. I take a bath at least once a week whether I need it or not. I mean, I believe in being physically clean. But I know people who are obsessed with physical cleanliness. I mean, they, I'm not going to name any names. And I'm not, it's certainly not my wife. But, but I know people who they take a shower in the morning. They take a shower at night. They take two or three baths during the day. I'm surprised they still have skin left. They take so many baths, and they are obsessed with being physically clean. Well, that's okay. But I'm obsessed, and you should be obsessed, with being spiritually clean. Because in order to fellowship with God, you have to be absolutely pure, absolutely clean. Because uh, God is light. He is pure light. And in him, we learned last week, is no darkness whatsoever. And what fellowship does darkness or does light have with darkness? None. So if you're dirty spiritually, you cannot be in fellowship with God. So I think it's a very important thing to know how do we get spiritually clean. Well, there's this very common doctrine among all denominations based upon the text we're going to look at today in 1 John uh, chapter 1 verse 9 that says we stay clean by our confession, by our confession of our sins. That's how we cleanse ourselves. Have you ever heard of 1 John called the Christian bar of soap? If You looked at your bulletins, you see the 1 John 1, 9 on the the bar of soap? I've I've heard that all the time. And and let's read 1 John 1, 9 together here for a minute, and you'll see that, that maybe that's what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that seems to be what it says. If I confess, if a daily, if I confess my sins, if I, every time I sin, daily I sit down at the end of the day and I confess my sins, then God is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So I take this Christian bar of soap at the end of the day and I wash myself clean and I'm pure and I'm in fellowship with God. If I don't wash myself clean, these people who adhere to this doctrine will tell you that you're not clean and you're not in fellowship with God. The Catholics have made a doctrine out of this verse. Uh, You're very familiar with their practice of of confession. They believe that if you sin, you confess to the priest because the priest has the authority to forgive your sins. He was given that authority. Jesus did say to his disciples that I give you authority to forgive sins. Now, I believe he gave them that authority in the context that by getting people saved, you you get them their forgiveness of their sins. But they take this to believe that the priest that Peter was the first pope and he has the authority to give that authority to other people and it's been passed down the line throughout generations. And so the priests have the authority to forgive sins. And so if you confess your sins to a priest, then he can tell you uh, what penance, he will receive your confession, give you forgiveness if you perform a certain penance so that your sin is absolved. And what's that penance? Maybe 10 Our Fathers or 10 Hail Marys or something like that. Now, I'm not criticizing the Catholics. As I've said it before, some evangelicals are more Catholic than the Catholics are. I mean, I mean and, and so the, and the evangelical doctrine on this particular verse is not much different. You don't confess your sins to, your, to a priest, but you confess your sins to God. And until you confess your sins, your sins are not forgiven and if you have unconfessed sins, then you are out of fellowship with God. Have you heard that? I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that doctrine at all. And what I'm going to do today is we're going to take this verse, 1 John 1, 9, this very mainstream common verse everybody knows, and we're going to put it into its proper context, and we're going to learn the truth about the doctrine of confession, and, and and so we're going to put it in its context in a minute. But before we do that, let me give you three reasons why I don't believe in the doctrine of confession as as the Catholics believe it and some Evangelical believe it. That that First John one nine is some kind of uh, bar of soap, some kind of Christian bar of soap that cleanses us of our unrighteousness. Let me let me tell you why I don't believe that. First of all. First of all, I believe it's based upon tradition and not upon the Word of God. That kind of confession is based upon tradition and not upon the Word of God. Now, now I want you to think about this logically. If that was such a major doctrine, which some people make it out to be, don't you think it would appear in the Bible in more places than just in 1 John? Don't you think if that was such a major doctrine, such a major part of our Christian walk, don't you think it would be in Paul's writings? Don't you think it would be elsewhere in the New Testament, maybe elsewhere even in the Old Testament? Well, if you look at that word confession, it's only found about 25 times in the Bible. And the word is a simple word. It's it's the word homo logos. Again, I don't want to bore you with the Greek, but we, we all know what homo means, right? Well, in our, in our culture, what's it mean? It means people of the same sex having sex with one another. But that's not homo simply means, the Greek word homo means the same. That's all it means. What's logos mean? Word. The word. So it means the same word. Let me put it in a different way. It means, it means to agree with the word. To agree with the word of God. That's what confession is. It's agreeing with the Word of God. It's the same Word. Whatever God says is the Word, you agree with that Word. And in 99% of the cases where that Word appears in the New Testament, it is in the context of the Great Confession. What's the Great Confession? The Great Confession is that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is is the only means to salvation and so that's the great confession and everywhere where you see that word homologos in the rest of the new testament it refers to the great confession and i think that's true for first john 2 and i'm going to show you here in a, in a few minutes you remember when that first that, that great confession we first heard that great confession remember over in matthew chapter 16 you don't have to turn there you remember when jesus asked his disciples He said, who are people saying that I am? And the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. He said, well, well, who do you say I am? And then Peter. Now, Peter, whenever he opened his mouth, he stuck his foot in his mouth. But he didn't this time, not yet. He does later on in the passage. But he didn't stick his foot in his mouth. What did he say? He says, you are the Christ. That's who you are. You are who you say you are. I confess you as the Christ. I agree with the word that the prophets say about you. I agree with what you've said about you. I agree with that voice that I heard coming down from heaven from the Father. I agree with with who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are thou, Sabin Barjona, because flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but the Father this to you but the father in heaven has revealed this to you and and then jesus went on to say and also i say to you peter that on this rock on this confession this great confession i will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it now did peter invent the great confession No, he made the great confession. Nobody invented the great confession, but God, the fact that Jesus is Lord really isn't an invention. That's who he is. All he was doing was agreeing with the word. Now, when Paul uses the word homo logos, the same word, he uses it in the same context, in the context of the great confession. Go with me for a minute. Go over to Romans chapter 10. Look over at Romans chapter 10. Hold your place there. Go back. In 1 John, and go back to Romans 10, back towards the first of the New Testament, to Romans chapter 10, look down in verse number 9. This is just an example of how Paul uses that word confess. Listen to what he says in verse number 9. He says that if you confess confess. That's the word homologos. If you agree with the word, what's the word? That with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord uh, and believe in your heart that God has raised him up of dead, you will be saved. So you're saved by the great confession, the homologos, agreeing with the word of God. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, What's righteousness? That's what makes us pure. That's what makes us clean. That's what makes us clean before God. And with the mouth confession, homologous again, we agree with the word. Confession, we agree with the word that Jesus is God, is made unto salvation. So the great confession is believing that Jesus is Lord. You can only make that by the Spirit of God. But that's the great confession. John himself over 1 John chapter 4 go back to 1 John chapter 4 and listen to what he says using that same word again he says in verse number 15 whoever confesses whoever agrees with the word that Jesus is the son of God I'm in chapter 4 verse 15 1 John whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God in other words you confess his deity God abides in him, and he in God. In other words, you're saved if you confess that Jesus is God. That is the great confession. What's the great confession? Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. He's the only way into salvation. He's the only one who can save me. And if we believe that, then God abides in us, and we abide in God. And the only way you can believe that is by having the Holy Spirit in you. Because Paul puts it another way in 1 Corinthians 12. You don't have to turn there. Verse 3, he says, No one can confess that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit or by the Spirit of God. You cannot make that confession unless you have the Spirit of God. So what's the great confession? The great confession is that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. And the only way you can make that confession is if you've believed on Jesus and you have the spirit of God in you. So at least 22 of 25 times in the New Testament when that word confession is used, It's used in the context of the great confession. There are two other times it's used where it's used in the context of us confessing our sins to one another. That's a whole other topic and I'm not going to go there today. But those are the uses. And then you got this one usage in 1 John 1, 9 and all of a sudden the total meaning is supposed to change. And what it's supposed to mean is if every day you get down, you use it as as your bar of soap, you get down on your knees and you confess all of your sins. And if you confess all of your sins, then you're in fellowship with God. If you don't, then you're not in fellowship with God. Now, if if that's the only place it appears, and that's the interpretation you're making in 1 John 1, 9, that should raise some flags in your heart and in your mind that maybe there's something wrong with that interpretation. Maybe that should appear somewhere else. Because that would be a if that doctrine was true, that would be a very important doctrine. Because I want to be in fellowship with God. You want to be in fellowship with God. And if my confession is what put me in fellowship with God and kept me in fellowship with God, then I would want to know that. I would want to be doing that all the time. And so again, I don't. Just the fact that it doesn't appear tells me that it's a tradition, and that it's not what the interpretation is here. Uh, as some people interpret it. Now, let me give you my second objection to this doctrine is 1 John 1, 9 being the Christian bar of soap. And let me me give you that objection by asking you a question. What cleanses you from your sin? Does your confession cleanse you from your sin? What cleanses you from your sin? The blood. Hey, y'all are good. The blood of Jesus Christ. Well, if that was true, you might find that somewhere close to this confession thing we're looking at right now. And you do look back at verse number seven. Look at first John chapter one, verse number seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with the Lord. And what the blood of Christ cleanses me from how much of my unrighteousness or how much of of my sin, all of my sin. Every bit of my sin. Now, if the blood of Christ cleanses me of all my sin, how much sin does that leave for my confession to cleanse me of? Zero. Zero. How much does the blood cleanse? All of my sin. How much does my confession cleanse? None of my sin. Because there's none left to forgive. And friends, don't you see the blasphemy of adding the work of our confession to the power of the blood? Don't you see that what you're doing when you're doing that, you're adding works to grace. Your confession, like, like some people see it as a sacrament, it becomes a work that adds to the power of the blood. That is blasphemy. You cannot add to the power of the blood. The blood cleanses us totally. It's not the blood plus our confession. It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood that makes me perfect. It's the blood that keeps me perfect. Let me take you back to a verse we've gone to several times. In fact, your Bibles will probably flip there automatically. We've been there so so many times. But go back to Colossians chapter number 2. A few books back to Colossians chapter number 2. Mine did open right up to it. I don't even have a marker there. Colossians chapter number 2. And look down at verse number 13. And you be dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made you alive together with him. Having done what? Having forgiven you all your unconfessed transgressions? Trespasses? No, all your trespasses, all your sin. What's left to forgive if all your sins are forgiven? There's nothing left to forgive. How did he cleanse your sin? Well you can look down at the next verse. He cleansed it at the cross. He cleansed it by his blood. That's why the author in Hebrews, chapter 10, the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 says, by one offering we have been perfected for how long? forever For by one offering, what's the offering? Is it our confession? No, it's the blood. By one, it's the sacrifice that produced the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. By one offering we've been perfected forever. Now can you get any better than perfect? No. So by one offering we've been perfected forever. For one offering we've been put in fellowship with God forever. Listen to me, if somebody's placed you under bondage and told you that somehow you've got to confess your sin to a priest or a pastor or somebody else or to God or whatever in order to be uh, in fellowship with God, man, you need to get away from that because you are set free. All your sins have been paid for. Once you were born again, you were placed into fellowship with God and you were placed in fellowship with God forever. All of you, most of you in here have children, or you've had children. I mean, when your children sinned, was your, were they out of fellowship with you when they sinned? Oh, they might be on the verge of getting a spanking when they sinned, but they weren't out of fellowship with you. You still loved your children. You still had a relationship with your children. You didn't desert your children. I mean, you might have said, hey, I'm not, you're not going to eat until you apologize for this sin. But but that didn't keep you from being in fellowship with your children. God's much greater and much more loving than we are. And so when you're born again, you're never out of fellowship with the Lord. All right, now, let me give you the third reason. And, and here's, the, here's the probably the most important reason in my mind. I, I think sometimes... We're very. I don't. I don't think. I know that we're very prideful creatures. We really don't like to think of ourselves as sinners, and 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 what we think is, well, you know, God somehow. Uh, yeah, if I commit some big sin, I need to confess it. But God somehow just overlooks those little sins I commit. In other words, we think that. We're in fellowship with God whether we confess our sins or not because whether we confess our little sins or not, it's only those big sins that we have to confess. Look, if confession was part of your daily cleansing, let's say it's true that in order to be in fellowship with God that you have to confess your sins. If confession was the contingency that puts you in fellowship with God, confessing all of your sins, let me tell you something. You would never be in fellowship with God because we sin all the time. We sin sins when we don't even realize we're sinning. Now, we remember the big ones. I mean, if I murder somebody today, I'm probably at the end of the day, I'm going to remember that. I mean, I'd be really a bad person if I didn't remember that. And I probably would confess that if I had to confess that in order to be fellowship with God, in fellowship with God. If I committed adultery today, I certainly would remember that at the end of the day, and I'd confess that. If I stole from somebody, I, I certainly should remember that at the end of the day, and I would probably confess that if that was needed in order to be in fellowship with God. But what about when I talk bad about you? I mean, by the end of the day, you will all have talked talk bad about the pastor. You know, I know it's just what people do. <laughs> And I probably will have talked bad about some of y'all. Now, I might remember talking bad about John, but I might have forgotten about talking bad about chap. So I would be out of fellowship with God forever until I remembered that day I talked bad about chap. If my confession is what cleansed me of my sin. What about when we tell those little white lies? You ever tell a little white lie? How many of you never have told a little white lie? Well, you're a liar then. So you need to confess that in order to be in fellowship with God. Have you ever had a greedy thought? Have you ever had a lustful thought? You have a lustful thought. Jesus says you've committed adultery. You've had a lustful thought. You remember all your lustful thoughts? You remember all your evil thoughts? Do you remember all the times you take the name, Lord, the, the name of the Lord in vain? You, you remember that all the time? I mean, do you remember that enough at the end of the day to confess that? I mean, when you say, oh my gosh, oh my God, or Lord, this is terrible, or God bless you when somebody sneezes, do you understand that you're taking the name of the Lord in vain? And you know what the Lord says when he says, do not take my name in vain? He says, that's a sin I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive it, except if you're covered under the blood. We take the Lord's name in vain all the time. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, towards the end of that chapter, he says that when we approve of evil, we sin. When we approve of other people's evil, it is sin. So when you pay money and you go to the theater and you hear people cursing the name of the Lord, you're sinning. And if, you go, if, if, if your fellowship with God depends upon you being perfectly pure through your confession, then you had better confess that. Every time you've heard a bad word of a movie, have you confessed it? Every time you've seen adultery in a movie, have you confessed it? Every time you've watched a soap opera, have you confessed it? We are surrounded by sin, and there's a lot of sin that we need to disapprove of that we approve of, it, and it's sin when we approve of, of sin, other people's sins. I mean, are you ever terse with your spouse or with your neighbor or with your children? That's sin. If you're angry in an unjustified way, that is sin. We are constantly sinning. So if my fellowship with God Dependent upon my confession, I would never be in fellowship with God. See, our problem is we think that God is just concerned about the big sins, the adultery, the stealing, the, the, and, and things like that. No, the Bible is clear that when you violate one tittle of the law, one tittle, one little bitty part of the law, you're guilty of violating the whole law. And all of us, Or violating the law. We don't want to be violators of law. If you want to be a violator of the law, you're walking in darkness. But listen, if we had to confess our sins, if you guys had to come to me today, let's say I was the priest here, and you had to tell me all your sins, we wouldn't get out of here for a couple of years. If you told me every unconfessed sin that you had, We would be here for a long time. I mean, I know just with John, I'd be here for a couple of years. I don't know why I'm picking on John today. I guess because you're sitting there on the front row. That's why nobody sits on the front row. (laughs) Don't you you see what I'm saying there? And so, so, man, you know what I'm glad? I'm glad the blood of Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. That's what I'm glad of. So if confession isn't what keeps me pure, then why did John say that? I mean, that is what he seems to say right here. You know, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So it almost seems that he's saying that that we have to confess our sins in order to be cleansed. Well, we got to put this verse In its proper context. If you're not here for any other reason today than this, it's to learn the importance of studying Scripture in its context. It says something sometimes totally different when you put it in in its context, and it often, more often than not, says something totally different when you take it out of its context. Which is right? In its context or out of its context? In its context. So we always want to put Scripture in its proper context. And it's easy to see what John's meaning here when you put this Scripture in its proper context. First of all, when you put it in the context of the Word. You put it in the context of the Word, and how is Homo Logos used? It's used in reference to the Great Confession. So that would tell me that more than likely, if I use my common sense, that's what he's speaking of here in verse number 9 of chapter 1 of 1 John. He's not coming up with some just all of a sudden out of the blue, putting this strange doctrine in and saying, hey, this is the Christian bar of soap, and if you confess your sins, you'll cleanse yourself of your sins. You've got to put it in the context of the whole Bible first first of all, and homologos in the context of the whole Bible, is refers to the great confession. So let's see if it does here. So let's go back to verse number six. Real easy to see if we look at it in its context. In verse number six, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, with who's the him? With the Lord, and we walk in darkness. What's it mean, what's it mean to walk in darkness? To walk in sin, to walk outside the pure light of God, to not be cleansed of our sin?" If we say that we have fellowship with him, with the Lord, and we walk in darkness, we walk outside of God's light, walking in sin, we're not pure, and we can't have fellowship with God. There's no way we can have fellowship with God if we're walking in darkness because God is light. And so if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness and we practice sin, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So in reference there, he's talking about practicing sin. If you're living in sin and you say you're a Christian, you're lying to yourself. You're not a Christian. You're walking in darkness. doesn't say if you sin, but if you practice sin. We'll see that later on in 1 John, not today, but later on. Now watch verse 7, how it fits perfectly here. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, not only do we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship him with one another. And watch this. And if we're walking in the light, what's it mean to walk in the light? It means to make the great confession, to believe in Jesus Christ, to have the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have light. And so when we walk in the light, what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? All, let me say again, all sin. All sin. If I'm walking in the light of the Spirit of God, if I'm walking in the light of this Word, it cleanses the Spirit cleanses me, the blood cleanses me of all sin. Now, why did he write 1 John 1, 9? Well, he's going to show us next. Look at the next verse. If we say that we have no sin... See, what John's addressing in verse number 9 are people who say they have no sin. Keep that in mind. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, there are churches meeting here, meeting not here, but meeting in this city, in this country, this very moment that will tell you that you don't need the blood. You don't need the blood. In fact, they think the blood is uh, they think they hate the blood, the idea of the blood. They think it's gross. And so they've taken it out of their hymn books. They don't want to talk about it in their sermons. They don't like the idea of the blood. Because they, you know the reason they don't like the idea of the blood? It is kind of gross to think. It, it, it sounds kind of crazy. That I, in order to be saved and to be cleansed, I have to be covered in the blood. It sounds awful strange. It sounds awful supernatural. Well, friends, that's what it is. Well, I think it's a very strange thing that God Almighty would empty himself of his glory and come to this earth and hang on that cross and shed his blood for you and I. That's a strange thing. But it's a supernatural thing. And it's that blood that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And these people think they don't really need it. And you know what they think? Yeah, I sin a little bit, but I really don't need the blood because God loves me. God is love and he'll just wink at my sin and he'll just let it go. There are others like the Gnostics in John's day that, that, you know what they say? They they say that this material world is really an illusion. And uh, so when you sin, it's not really you sinning. It's an illusion of you sinning. You know, the Christian scientists believe that. They believe that that the material world really doesn't exist. It's all an illusion. And so when you get sick, or you sin, if you get sick, you're not really sick. You don't need to go to the doctor. That's just an illusion of you that's sick. Now, that's what's crazy and strange to me. And so if you sin, it's really just... An illusion of you sinning. So you really can't sin because it's the material that's sinning. The spirit doesn't sin. That's what the Gnostics taught. That's what modern day Gnostics teach. And there's all sorts of modern day Gnostics. I won't get into that. But there are all sorts of Gnostics. There are others, and, and this is the more common case here, like most people in our society today, who would tell you that sin is relative. It's only sin if you think it's sin. And if you don't think it's sin, it's not sin. And what's sin for you is not sin for me. That's Gnosticism too. See, that's a big lie. And, and that's a lie that's leading a lot of people straight to hell. You know, I saw a poll out this past Friday that says that to date 67% of Americans don't believe that homosexuality is a sin. Close to that same number says that of Americans says that they don't believe that adultery is a sin. So who needs the blood? Who needs the blood if you don't have sin? In other words, only sins, you know, now they would tell you that when uh, those planes flew into those towers, that was sin. Some people think it's not sin. And so sin becomes relative. In other words, I really don't sin. What you think is sin, I don't think is sin. And so don't, don't tell me I need the blood. Don't tell me I need a savior. So he says in verse number, he says in verse number for if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and so what John does now in verse number 9 he answers the Gnostics he answers the relativists he answers the homosexuals he answers the adulterers he answers anyone who says they don't have sin he says you're deceiving yourself and there is no truth in you but But, now watch it in context, verse number nine. But if we confess our sins, you know, if we recognize that we have sins, if we recognize that we're a sinner, if we recognize that we're going to go to hell because the wages of sin is death, if we recognize that Jesus is Lord, see, this is the great confession. Because when you confess that you're a sinner, you realize you need a Savior. That's the great confession. If we confess our sins, and that only the blood can cleanse us of our sins, then He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See how that fits? Fits like a glove. How does He cleanse us from our sin by our confession? No, by His blood. He said in John, I mean, in verse seven that. It's the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Not our confession. And in verse 10 fits it perfectly. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. If we say we don't need the blood, we don't need Christ, we don't need a savior, that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And his word, is, if his word is not in you, And you're not careful. You will be lost forever. Because the only way. That you can get saved. Is to confess. That you're a sinner. And that he is Lord and you're not. And that he is the Savior and you're not. And that only his blood. Can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, see how all that fits? Fits together perfectly in the context of the Bible, in the context of the book, and in the context of the passage. You jerk that thing out of there and take it all by itself and you could make it say all sorts of things. Now, with all of that said, does that mean there's no Need for daily confession. Does that mean there's no need for daily confession? No. What I'm saying here I'm not saying that there's no need for confession of your sins. There is a need for confession of your sins. First of all, there's a need for confession of your sins when you get saved. But I believe there's a daily need, a moment-by-moment need for confession of your sins. But what I'm saying here is that your confession doesn't cleanse you It's the blood that cleanses you. And whether you confess or not, you are cleansed. And if you're born again, you're cleansed. And you are in fellowship with God. But confession is a part of our daily life. That's a part of the Christian walk. Because we walk in the light as he is in the light. And if I'm walking in the light, I'm walking in the spirit. And the spirit is pure. And when I sin, I am impure. I mean, John 16, in John chapter 16, Jesus said that the Spirit will come into the world to convict men of sin. Now, I think he meant that in a general sense in that the Spirit is out in the world convicting people of their sin. But I think he especially means that for believers. If we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us on an ongoing basis of our sin. So let's say I lose my temper and I say something really mean to to Andrus back there. And I say something really nasty to him and I shake him up a little bit and and, uh, maybe something I shouldn't say, well, here's what's going to happen. The Spirit of God is going to say to me, George, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. That was wrong, what you said to Andres. That was wrong. And 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 what do I do? No, Lord, you're wrong. I'm right. Look, you're not saved if you're doing that. Immediately, what do we feel like when we're walking in the light and we treat somebody bad? Remember what I said last week? We feel like roaches. We feel like rats. We feel like snakes. And the Holy Spirit's there to remind us and convict us. When we do some things sometimes that we don't even think are wrong, the Holy Spirit will say, you shouldn't have said that. You go off on somebody and you think, man, I got them good. I got them good. I really got them good. They deserve that. And you're patting yourself on the back and the Holy Spirit says, I hate what you just did. I don't hate you, but I hate what you just did. And then you start thinking about it. You know, that really wasn't so good after all, was it? And what do I do? I agree with the word. I confess the word. That, that, that is an ongoing process. You know, I confess the word. And you know what? I even ask for forgiveness. When I do something really bad, I say, Lord, forgive me for doing that. Forgive me for saying what I just said. Now, does that get me my forgiveness? No. Because the, I, how, many, how much of my sin has been forgiven? All my sin. But by asking the Lord for forgiveness, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry, and I don't want to do this again. Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm grateful you died for that sin. That's what I'm saying when I I ask for forgiveness. And then I ask the Lord, Lord, please give me the power to not go off on somebody like that ever again. Give me the power. That's what it means to walk in the light and confess your sin. But let me ask you something. You know, for you that daily do your confession, I mean, you sin every day, you get down on your knees or you go to a priest and you ask the priest for forgiveness and you ask the the pastor for forgiveness, you ask your friends for forgiveness, you get down before the Lord, you ask the Lord for forgiveness and you believe that that somehow cleanses you. Let me ask you a question. Is God more interested In your confession or in your repentance? He's much more interested in your repentance. You know, God wants his children not so much to confess their sin, but to repent of their sin. And you know something I've learned about God in these last, 27 years of being saved, God gets what he wants. God gets what he wants. And so when I sin, I can get down on my knees and beg God for forgiveness. And Lord, please forgive me. I confess it. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And you know what God says? You better not. (laughs) You keep doing it, and I'm going to discipline you. You know, God's after our repentance. If we continue in sin and you're born, if you can continue in sin and there's no repentance, you don't know the Lord. But if you know the Lord, then then God is going to change you because God wants you pure. In God, there is no darkness. And what fellowship does light have with darkness? What's the answer to that? None. And so God wants us pure and he's going to make us pure. There are people who call themselves Christians who think they can do anything. They, as long as at the end of the day they confess it uh, on their knees or they go to a priest and they confess it, that, that, that it's all cleansed, that it's all okay, and they get back up the next day and they do it all over again. Friends, that is not walking in the light. God could care less about our confession if it's not sincere. How do you measure the sincerity of your confession? By your repentance. That's how you measure the sincerity of your confession. If you're really sorry, you're going to stop doing something. I mean, to say you're sorry and not do anything means you're really not sorry. That's nothing but words, and God's not fooled. He seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he wants our repentance. And if you're a child of God, i got news for you. He's going to get it. He's going to get it the easy way. Or he'll get it the hard way. But all of it begins. With a great confession. All of it. If you don't think you need the blood. You're in deep trouble. Before you can truly repent. Before you can truly. Truly get rid of your sin. You have to recognize that you're a sinner. You know what? Your sin has to be repulsive to you. You have to be repulsive to you. You know what got me saved? I was repulsive to myself. I hated the state I was in. And I hated that state and I confessed that state and that led to my salvation. That's the great confession. And and I realized when I hated myself and I was repulsive to myself, that I couldn't save myself no matter how I tried. And I turned to the Lord. And what did his blood do? It cleansed me of all unrighteousness. You make that confession and it opens the door for the blood to cleanse you. It opens the door so that you can walk in the light. See, that's the confession that makes you pure and puts you forever. Listen to me. Forever in fellowship with God. If you're a born again believer here today, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are in fellowship with God. 24-7. Forever. Forever. Why? Because of the blood. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your blood. Your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for, for working in our hearts in a way that led us to make that great confession. Lord, and even now, we, we recognize that we're, we're sinners. That we do things that are wrong. And we just thank you that... That all our sins are forgiven, Lord. But we, we do want repentance in our life, And that repentance comes by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just thank you for all you're doing for us uh, and through us, through our Savior Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.